Good morning. We're still missing a few people. We're going to go ahead and get started with Praise the Name of Jesus. If you'll stand with me, we'll sing through it twice. They're still in class. He's not here. <laughs> I'm asking. We have a little promo video, but I was kind of wanting to make sure all the kids were in. So I'm going to let Brother Wynn go ahead and come do his announcements first, if you will, and then we'll do the video afterward so we can give the kiddos time to get in here. Good morning and welcome. Uh, I say it every Sunday, but I thank you for being here. Uh, we need you. You need us, I hope. And I want to just say a, a couple uh, things. A man in St. Joe years ago, Dr. Robbins, had, had mentioned, and, and, and I've never forgotten it. It's been years, but he said that God created each one of us with the need and the capacity for a vertical and a horizontal relationship. First and foremost, a relationship with him with God. But secondly, he created us with the need and the capacity for a relationship with each other. Uh, that's not by accident, and it makes sense to me that unless we are relating with each other through the church and through, through families, and uh, we are not the creatures that God created us to be. We cannot be completely whole. We cannot be at full peace if we are not connected to God and each other. It, the two important words are need and capacity. We need each other, and we have the capacity to interact with each other. That is what the church is all about. That is why I say thank you for being here. Uh, second thing is I want to mention real quickly that uh, it just came up in our Sunday school lesson, but... It, it mentioned that there are three things, three aspects that we need in our lives. We need friends, we need mentors, and we need mentees. We need to have friends to be able to interact with each other. We need people in our lives that we make and share experience with that will help them. But we also need to be open when somebody else has an experience to share that would help us. That is what the church is all about. Uh, so if you are not studying the uh, 
the literature we're studying, you didn't get that, but it, it's a very good lesson. So uh, I'm going to go through some, uh, just a couple quick announcements. And then uh, did you bring the, the flag back, Carolyn? Okay. I want Carolyn to, to come up, if she would, and share some personal. Last week we had uh, the memorial service, and we talked about her father and the flag. And, and uh, uh, it's not just a one-day a year we need to remember this, but there are some things that she wants to share personally. Um, in case y'all hadn't noticed, Bible school's here. Uh, if you hadn't hadn't signed up, I guess it's still not too late, but don't show up. I was given those instructions specifically. Don't just show up. Let somebody know you're coming, and they'll plug you in. Uh, so... There's nothing else I guess we're waiting on other than the donations and stuff. If you'd like to, you can leave your leave your donations uh, in the back. But uh, we sent a uh, posted something on the Our Church app, and, and some of you are aware of it, but uh, Corrine Hankins was in a bad accident. Uh, she's doing much better, but she's got a long road to hope. Uh, we as a church want to be a part of that in sharing our love. So we're going to accept a love offering today and next Sunday uh, for them. If you would like to make a love offering today and if you were prepared, you can put a check in the offering plate when it comes around. Just note at the bottom that it is a love offering rather than a, a tithe. Uh, there will be men at the three doors at the end of the service. If you'd like to just drop your check in or your money in there, that's fine too. But... Uh, the other churches, just so you'll know, the Union Church and uh, Cornerstone and the Pentecostal Church were notified that this offering was going to be taken up where they could be a part of it if they so chose to. So I know on behalf of the family they uh, would say thank you, and uh, there will be another opportunity next Sunday also. So, uh, Carolyn, are you want to come on up? Okay. That'll been recorded. Uh, the group I usually speak to are six-year-olds, so if I say, y'all be still and quit talking, y'all, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm just teasing. It's been a long time since I taught, but it was a great experience. Uh, last week, I had the memorial flowers for the... Uh, well, I had flowers for the Union Church, and I always request Memorial Day <clears throat> that Sunday that's close to it, and also uh, the Sunday close to my husband's birthday. So I always like to get the most out of flowers. Uh, I think I got that from my mother-in-law. She would get an arrangement and redo it and add to it and make it smaller. And all. So anyway, I was able to take it to both churches. And actually, it's still pretty, just a few of the flowers had died, and I started to put a few more white ones in it, but I didn't, and I knew we'd have something today. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> this flag is uh, at least 75 years old, and it's been folded for that long. It was the flag that uh, draped the, the uh, well, my sister said, don't say coffin, uh, the casket of uh, my and her father, 
dad when he was, uh, his remains were shipped back to the United States from the Admiralty Islands, probably two to three years after he died. Uh, and I hope that especially the young people here might look at the flag differently after I talk about it a little bit. I'll try not to take Brother Jesse's time, but I know y'all got in late, so you... <laughs> because I was by here about 10 o'clock. I didn't see it, the you haul it. But anyway, uh, my dad's birth dad's name was M.C. Wallace, Jr. He went by initials. I, his dad's name, he did have a name, Mitt Cornelius, but I never saw it written except M.C. Wallace, Jr. Somebody said, well, I don't think you can enter the military with initials, but apparently he did. Because uh, it's on everything. But anyway, uh, I actually, and I didn't even notice until this morning that it was in this bag. It's actually the oath of allegiance that he took, oath of allegiance that he took when he joined the service. And I have a few more little mementos of him, but not too many. Uh, he was. Uh, I asked my sister last night, she kept, she keeps thinking that the service for him was in this church, but I was too small to remember because I was 15 months old when he was killed. I never saw it because uh, he didn't get to come home. But anyway, I would think it was at Bethany because at the time we lived in the country and that's where we went to church. But some, she's a little bit older than I am, and she said, I re somehow remember standing in front of the Baptist church. So I have a remaining uncle who's 96 and uh, an aunt who's almost 99, his siblings, and uh, one of them might remember, but I will find that out. It was too late to call them last night. Uh, I want to speak to all of the ones. I know that three of you, I know I'm looking at you, that have served in the military. Four, actually. Now, if I pass you by, just tell me. And one presently, Morgan. We're proud of Morgan. Uh, George, you were in the service, correct? Yes, ma'am. And I know James was. Jackie, Ray. Have I missed anybody? David, I thought you were. Well, I didn't mean to leave you out. I felt like you were, but I never had asked you. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, for the younger people and all those who have served uh, in any branch of the military. Uh, when you've served, you have the honor of having your uh, casket draped in a, an American flag. And... Uh, then it's folded, and if it's a military funeral, if not, it's folded by soldiers or the, whatever branch of the military you were in, he, that person was in, man or woman. And uh, it's, if not, it's folded by, I've seen the minister help and someone else who, it's a certain way you fold it. And hopefully this one is still the way it was folded that long. Uh, and it's given to the, uh, usually the, the wife or husband or whatever of the person who passed away or the mother and this one I had always wondered I thought I know that there had to be a flag and when my sister and I went to Chattanooga Tennessee this past fall 
my uncle is there. He said, we were leaving. And he said, wait, I have something for you girls. And uh, he gave us a flag. It was this, this flag and uh, a shotgun. So that <laughs> was my dad's. So he wanted Betty, my sister, to have the flag because she was the oldest, which is fine. And uh, so we don't know about the shotgun yet, but I might keep it. We'll see. Uh, <clears throat> in doing a little research, uh, I found out that over 30 million military and civilians were killed in the South Pacific. That's where the, my dad served. Uh, but I don't know, that was a very bloody war, as all wars are. And I guess thought was not given at that time, during that time in history, to civilians, children, all those. It was just the way it was. But now, some thought, I think, and I hope it's given. But anyway, uh, this flag has only uh, 48 stars on it because at that time we only had 48 states. So it's that old. There was. I won't ask you boys over there if you know the last two states admitted to the Union. <laughs> My grandchildren say, oh, here we go, another history lesson. Anytime we're together, but I just can't help it. But they need to know this, I think. Um, what what did you say, Jackie? Oh, I bet they do. Well, anyway, um, y'all bear with me up here. I'm, Struggling a little bit. No, it, it's fine. That that no, that's that's, that's good. Okay. Um, so anyway, I hope after today that some of you that may not know have a little better understanding of what the flag means and what it stands for, and look at it in a totally different way. Maybe every time I look at it, I and the Star Spangled Banner is being played, I tear up and just can't help it. You know. Last week I told Kevin was here and I <clears throat> gave these flags out. I missed all the McDonald children. They were gone, the little ones. And uh, so I gave Kevin one, even though he was a senior. And I, I said, little did you know that every time you were standing at attention for that flag and Star Spangled Banner, people were watching. And I said, I watched you. And I saw how, you know, how you stood and everything. So he, he received one. But uh, a little bit more about, I'll give a bit more about my dad, and then I'll go back to the flag. He was born in, uh, out of West Monroe. I'm sure it was a home birth, probably 1918. Uh, he was the first child of four. And he graduated high school at uh, Okaloosa High School. That's a little community out of West Monroe now. The school is gone, but part of it was there. I did get to see that one, one time. And he immediately went to work to help support his family. Uh, he went to the Civilian Conservation Corps. People call it the CCC camps. And many of you probably are familiar with it. They, they had them all over the uh, country. And they were open to young men uh, that needed work, 
they were unemployed because it was during the depression and uh, they helped restore forests and roads and all kind of something to do with the government. <clears throat> and they made $30 a month. They were provided uh, military-like style barracks to live in, their food, their health care, and <clears throat> they were reserved $5 a month for the, them and the remaining $25 was sent home to their parents. So if you can imagine working for, you know, yourself for $5 a month, it would be pretty tough now, wouldn't it? <laughs> but um, he had a, anything I've talked to, he had a servant's heart. He always took care of other people and of his family. And he worked at the paper mill in West Monroe. And then uh, his family moved here to Tinsaw, out on Tinsaw River. And uh, he was just in and out, I'm sure, because he was grown. And then he went to work at the sawmill in Sunhammer, and then he went to service in 1940. <clears throat> and I guess in coming back and forth, he met my mom. And uh, they were married in 41. Betty came in 42. And then in uh, sometime in 43, he was sent to San Diego, I guess, in, uh, to prepare to ship out to the Admiralty Islands, the South Pacific. So Mama and Betty rode the train out there, and when they came back, um, Mama was expecting me, so I'm glad she made that trip. <laughs> anyway, um, of course, she had to live with his parents or her parents or her sister. That's just the way it was, you know, during, more, during that time. But anyway, um, I've said when he joined the Navy, and it's when we were in war with Japan, and it was when I went to the World War II Museum, I, it kind of opened my eyes to, oh, there are the Admiralty Islands. I had looked it up on the Internet, and, but they have these models, and it just shows you and uh, where everything was. And uh, he was, uh, my uncle said he was a chief petty officer. So I looked up that, that up to see what that was, and uh, he said usually it takes a while to become one, but he was only in the military five years. So in wartime, they may accelerate promotions, I don't know. But when he was killed, he was uh, actually, y'all, it was a month to the day he was killed before the peace treaty was signed. So anyway, he was taking a wounded man to the base hospital, whatever the hospital may have been, and a, one of the big trucks came around and crossed over in front of him, and of course, them being in a jeep that no roll bar and no, you know, seat, nothing, uh, he was had many internal injuries and lived five days. And his brother, one of his brothers, was uh, not too far, one of the other islands, and of course, news of it. They got news to him about it. And he was determined to go see him, and he actually knew that there was a supply plane that flew between the islands. I don't think it was every day or every other day. So he made, hatched a plan that he was going to stow away on that plane and determined to do it. Well, his chaplain found out about it, and he said, you just cannot do that. You will be AWOL, and you'll be arrested. So to his dying day, he regretted not being able to do that and just felt guilty, I guess, that he survived, and you know how you... Sometimes you have that survivor's guilt. Um, anyway, uh, 
I had a few things about the flag. I was going back. Whenever I see a flag, I'm reminded of all the men and women who now serve in the military and who have given their life for it. Um, and lately, I've seen it a lot because of going to playoff games with Tinsel Academy boys, baseball, graduations, and things like that. So I've been reminded a lot of it lately. Um, most of you know, I don't know the young ones, I don't know who would be young that wouldn't know it, but you know the 13 stripes stand for the 13 colonies, the stars are for the the, the uh, states in the Union. Um, now the colors, the red stands for hardiness and valor. I always learn valor. White was purity and innocence, and the blue is uh, vigilance, perseverance, and justice. I think we learned one word for each of them. And when I taught school, I always, when I taught fourth grade, it was great to go and we could go in depth about everything. We always had a unit on it. In first grade, when I taught it, I did that too of what they could understand. <clears throat> I don't know how many schools open with the pledge now. It's such a shame that some of them can't. I uh, know the academy can. And um, so many children did not know those patriotic songs that we knew by heart, and I still know them when they're played. I still sing along with them. But um, anyway, after the war was over, uh, my mom remarried, and I was <laughs> very thankful for that. I, I had a wonderful father and uh, four more siblings, which is great. <laughs> and Phil's here today. Uh, so after she married, she had Hoyt, and then seven years later, she had Lucy. Three years later, Phil. Three years later, Jan. So I was grown pretty much when a couple of them came along, but I got to enjoy helping raise them <laughs> and still try to tell them what to do. But um, anyway, I, I hope that this might give some of you a better understanding about the flag so when you look, maybe look at it in a different way. Uh, and I have these to give if, uh, and you can be a big young, an older young person uh, if you're young, and I'll give you one. If you're a little bitty, uh, don't get in trouble with it during church. And be careful. I wanted the ones that had the bulb on the top, but they only had the pointed ones. So I hope that's given uh, many of you a better understanding of what it means to live in America, and will always respect this this flag. And it's going to be uh, up to you younger people. I, it, you almost feel it's kind of skipping a generation that even knows about all this. They're uh, taking World War II out of the history books. Why, I don't know. But uh, you have all kind of technology. Look it up and see. The war was going on all over the world. And uh, one dad was in the army in the in Germany while the one who passed was did not make it home was in the South Pacific so they were on opposite sides of the world but fighting for the same purpose under the same flag <clears throat> so I appreciate you letting me tell this today and I'm sure I didn't cover everything in my notes but I've probably
talk long enough. <laughs> but I appreciate you listening. And I'm going to give the flags out to anyone young person who wants one today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Carolyn. I appreciate, as a mom of some young people, them getting to hear that and hear some firsthand some firsthand stuff to know why our flag's important. I'm going to pray, and then we have a Bible school promo video. So if you'll bow with me. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the country we live in. I thank you for the Constitution and for the godly men who created that. Um, and God, that there's so many forces trying to go against it now. And I pray that you will raise up a generation who are brave and bold and will stand for your truth and we'll be willing to stand for the flag. I thank you for the brave men and women who are doing so now. I thank you for those who have done so in the past, especially those who gave their life, Lord, so that we can stand here in freedom and worship you this morning. Father, I pray that you be with our service. I ask you to be with Brother Jesse. Speak through him when he comes to speak to us, God. Prepare our hearts for your message. Let our um, hearts be like the tilled soil, ready to have the seed thawed and planted so that it will grow to be fruitful in our lives so that we can bring you glory. I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here to worship you today. I praise you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so excited for Bible school. We are in a spiritual warfare, and it's taken us back to medieval times to help the kids understand what we're talking about with that. We have our um, breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit of the word, um, the shield of faith, all the things they're going to be learning about at Bible school. Um, and I wanted to say, if you know some kids that you would like to invite, we have these postcards out um, in the area out there by the kitchen, and also these door knockers that you can leave on their door. They have the date, the time, everything already on the back. And we would love for you to hand those out or send them so that as many kids can come because, as I said, y'all know we're in a spiritual battle and they need to know that and they need to know how to defend themselves, to have their helmet of salvation, as our friend Brian used to say, because if you lose your head, you're dead. That's the most important part. And then all the other things that come with that, how to put on their armor so that they can stand as the world is dark, but God is good and he's with us. So, um. We're going to go ahead with our worship this morning to hymn number 56, To God Be the Glory. If y'all...
power and the blood. We'll sing three of these, the first, second, and last verse. to save us and to help us live for him and and do bold things for the Lord. We're going to finish up with Because He Lives. We'll sing all three. Please stand with me as we sing hymn 358.
Good morning. It is so good to be here. We uh, we got in about, I think it was about 10.30, Miss Carolyn, when we backed that truck in there. We had, we had different plans, but we knew that things were going to happen sometimes, and so our backup plan worked out. <laughs> so uh, thank you for praying for us. We're just blessed to be able to have I'll tell you how crazy it's been real quickly. Um, before Thursday, the 1st, there were no, uh, you haul your own trucks, uh, and we'll say the brand, because it's going out on the internet, so <clears throat> none of those trucks between Amarillo and Fort Worth, we couldn't find anything available at all, because everybody in Midland is moving, apparently. I don't know if that's in or out or over or what, but um, there was nothing available. So the first, which was Thursday, which was a day later than what we wanted anyway, or two days later actually, um, there was nothing available. So we we had one reserved 8 o'clock, you know, Thursday morning. We'll get it done all day, drive Friday, get over here, unload yesterday, and be done. Well, we got one at noon. <laughs> No hand trucks, no dollies, no blankets, no nothing. We had to go buy our own. We just, you know, we're just glad to have a truck. We'd have, we'd have been driving mules if that's what, you know, if it worked. Just get it done and get it over with. And uh, we're glad to be here. We're safe, all in one piece. And we, like I said, we got uh, Tuesday. Tomorrow we'll get it all finished, turned in. Tuesday, Dave and I are going to take the motor home and go back over there and finish the little polish-up things, turn in all of our stuff. So we'll have a place to sleep. Now, what we do? <laughs> and then bring the Jeep, tow it back over here. Um, so we're, we'll be done. We're just glad, thank God, finally. We're, it's been a long process. We appreciate your patience and your prayers that we're finally here for Bible school. <laughs> we're excited about this. This is amazing. I'm going to be sharing with you tonight uh, and Wednesday just a little bit here and there, um, a little bit about some ideas that uh, God has just kind of dropped on us and uh, some things that I've hoped for, and we've got a great opportunity for some putting us out there to get us, you know, in people's, you know how, how people see things on that little thing you talk on. We got a son that doesn't know that it's a phone. He thinks it's a, you know, a TV. Uh, he doesn't know how to make a phone call on it. He's got to do it. It's either uh, FaceTime or nothing. I mean, that, he, it, it just blows his mind to have to actually make a telephone call. <laughs> so that's how people see everything. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to look and, and ask God to give us opportunities to, to let people see First Baptist Newton on there. And we're going to share Jesus with these people. That's what we're here for. That's what God has us to do. So today in John chapter 2, if you'll join me, John chapter 2, we're going to start with the very first miracle that Jesus performed. <clears throat> and it was kind of untimely in a way. Because he even told his mother, uh, my hour has not yet come. So the, the title of today 
you may find it a little strange in your bulletin there, is when you can't see the grapevine for the grapes. Now, it may sound a little familiar, but sometimes people can't see the forest for the trees. Well, this is when you can't see the grapevine for the grapes. Now, subtitle, you know i got to have subtitles. Subtitle is there are some people who are hell-bent on being heavenly-minded. So I think you'll see as we go here, sometimes we miss the whole idea of what God is trying to say to us because we're so expecting and so determined to be, quote-unquote, spiritual and do the work of a church. Sometimes uh, we get kind of like Mary and Martha. We get a little busy. We get a little bit burdened down with the church work instead of doing the work or the mission of the church. You know what I mean? Now, I could preach on that for a long time, but I love talking about that stuff. But today, let's try to stick to the subject matter here. I'll do my best to do that. We got to have a brief message because I'm, I'm worn out. My knees are, are hollering at me. They've been hollering at me for three days now. So they're starting to kind of scream silently. So y'all just, if you hear anything weird up here, it's my knees. Okay. <laughs> I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> Thank the Lord. John chapter 2. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Actually, in the Berean Standard Version, Berean Standard Bible, I like the way that this is said. I like the translation from the original. They have no more wine, or they have run out of wine, okay? And Jesus said to her, woman, now, quickly, we use the term in today's society when we say woman. You know, sometimes we do it in jest, and sometimes we're playing around and sometimes people use it in a derogatory fashion. But I assure you from the original language here, what Jesus said to his mother was not disrespectful. He didn't just say, woman, you know, because she'd have probably come right across there just like, you know, some of these other would have done. Across those chops, I'm sure. <laughs> but no, she knew her son. And he knew and loved his mother. And there was nothing disrespectful about what he said. And Jesus was very respectful toward women. Let me say that again. And I hope this society understands that. Jesus was always very respectful toward women. Praise the Lord for that. Any man worth his salt, <laughs> third time, is going to be respectful toward women. Praise the Lord. I don't need to say that a fourth time, do I? <laughs> okay. He said to her, woman, which actually in the original language was a term that was very endeared. It was very, it was like, it was, you could say mother, but it was almost like him saying precious lady, dear lady, my dearest mother, something of that nature. That's, that was kind of the way this, so we could, I believe without doing any damage to the text in the translation, we could say dearest mother, this is what Jesus said. In my version, it says, woman, what 
do I have to do with you? Which I'm not sure that's the best translation. I really don't believe it is. I believe the better translation is from the Berean. And here's what it says. Woman, why does this concern us? Because I believe that's what Jesus actually said was, Dearest Mother, why does this concern us? Maybe he had a smile on his face because apparently his mother had something to do. I don't know if they were related to this family. I don't know if they were dear friends to the family of Jesus. I don't know if it was just someone they knew. I don't know. Some have said that perhaps Mary was kind of in an unofficial way overseeing some of these things. I don't know. I can't prove any of those things. But I do know that she was there. And she had some kind of influence over this situation. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited. And I believe they knew the people, perhaps, you know, distantly, but there was respectful uh, feelings there. Now, a wedding in those days, just to kind of get to the chase, we might say, a wedding in those days was very, very important. It held high, it was held in high esteem. Uh, I wish sometimes we held it in more esteem in our society. And when we get to John chapter 14, we're going to get into some details about a Jewish wedding that I believe will bless your heart. Okay? But in this particular situation, this was a very, very wonderful and special event. And whatever her capacity was, she came to her son who had not performed any public miracles so far. But she knew who he was. Now, you can believe some of the things that you read. You know, some people will say there are some writings, there are some manuscripts that are not accepted as part of the Bible. They're uh, not canonical. They're not accepted as inspired by God. And some of those talk about childhood miracles that Jesus may or may not have performed and things like that that was, in my opinion, and many of people who are much smarter than me feel like these were insignificant and they really had no purpose as far as scriptural value, uh, some not even historical value, and some of them we don't believe are really even true to, to what they say. But as far as we know, Christ had a normal childhood because the bible says that the child grew and just basically had a normal childhood but mary remember she had pondered some things in her heart remember the bible says early she pondered these things that god had shared with her she knew who jesus was and when he said to her dear mother why does this concern us I'm just a visitor here at this wedding, as kind of you are. You might be in charge of some things, but I'm, I'm just a visitor here, and I'm happy to be here, and I respect this family. I respect this situation. I'm paraphrasing, but you understand what I'm saying. I'm laying the, out the, 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 the situation here. I'm here because I love weddings, but why does this concern us? My hour has not yet come. You know what his mother said? She turned to the servants of the wedding, who 
Not his servants, not Jesus' servants, but the servants that are serving the people at the wedding. And she just simply said to them, you just do whatever he tells you to do. Well, they're probably going, oh man, what's this going to be? Jesus said to them, fill the water pots. Well, let me, miss, let me read verse 6 because I kind of missed something there. There were six stone water pots. We're going to talk about the fact that they were stone here. Set there for the Jewish custom of purification. Now, remember we just talked about that. And, and we were having some discussions about how the Jews viewed baptism well, they didn't even know what baptism was because John was the first that we have record of that actually baptized people the only reference they had to anything close to baptism was the labor that God had told them in the Old Testament to put in the tent but so that the priests could wash their bodies and it was a rite of purification so they didn't come before God smelling like the camels Amen. And you, you come before the Lord, you put on your best. I'm not saying you have to wear a tuxedo. I'm not saying you have to dress like me. But you wear your best. I mean, your best might be a nice, you know, just a nice shirt and a pair of pants or something like that. And I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just simply saying, you know, you got a lot of places where these guys, and you're not going to see me doing this. I'm not going to be up here in skinny jeans and high top tennis shoes. That ain't going to happen. The day you see that, you come and go, who are you and what have you done with our pastor? Okay? Because that ain't happening. There's a lot of uh, controversy about some of these guys in these $5,000 tennis shoes. Well, first of all, none of my tennis shoes cost more than about $5. Okay? I'm not wearing any high tops. The last high tops I had was Converse, and I played basketball in them in high school. Okay? And I don't wear skinny jeans. It ain't happening. I'm not trying to look like the youthful crowd. I'm not part of the youthful crowd. I'm 67 years old. My knees hurt. I have arthritis. I'm old. Okay? I've grown a lot and stuff like that. i got gray hair, and I'm proud of it because I earned every strand. I'm not trying to be a kid. <laughs> so I'm not trying to fit in with the crowd. Sometimes I think we make mistakes with that. I've seen guys that I look like, I look pictures of them and I'm like, they look like they're 50-something years old and they look trying to dress like one of the kids. Okay, well, you do whatever you want to do. But what I'm saying to you is that's not what we're supposed to be about. You know, that's not the point of all of this. The point of all this is for us to preach the message. I'm supposed to just simply bring myself before the Lord as best I can. And if that's a nice t-shirt and a, you know, a pair of jeans and a, and, and a pair of tennis shoes or whatever that may be, you're not going to hear a word out of me. I'm not going to talk to anybody about how they dress. All I'm saying is the attitude of our heart should be before we come to God is simply come to God with the greatest Peace of mind and attitude that we can. Lord, I'm here to worship you. I don't care what you wear. I don't care. That doesn't bother me at all. I want you to wear the glory of Jesus in your heart. That's all I care about. You come to church and you're ready to worship God. I'm here to hug your neck, you know, and I just want to worship God with you. There are too many people today 
that are hell-bent on being heavenly-minded. We'll talk about that in a moment. Because these Jewish people were so legalistic, all they could think about was the rituals. Okay? So what about the stone water pots? Well, these water pots were there for them to go through their hand-washing things to wash so many times because... You know, these guys, I think these guys had, we, we call that little syndrome, you know, where you got to count so many times. Huh? I think they probably had some of that. You know, you can't step on the squares and you got to shut the door ten times, open it and shut it ten. You know, look, come on, man. I, I, I'm being funny here, but I, I, I believe these guys had some of that stuff because they were, it's, listen, God is, doesn't care how many times you repeat now lay me down to sleep. God is not interested. I was thinking about that last night when I was showering. And I was thinking my first, I don't know why I went back there, my first prayer, I remember my first prayer, was now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I remember praying that in my bed as a little child. You know, there was nothing in the world wrong with that. But now I don't have to rhyme If you want to rhyme, that's fine. You don't have to rhyme. It's not necessary. God's not interested in whether it rhymes or not. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your heart open to Him. So it's okay. The reason I got that from is that He said it's not because you repeat things so many times. And, you know, He was giving us the example. He's, it's, you know, somebody repeated bug the king so much till he finally gave in, you know. That was the example. But it's not your repetition, the Lord says. It's not that. He hears a heart that's given to him. So it's not about ritual purifications and things like that. Those things have never purified us. The only thing that purifies us is what we sang about earlier, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. But these stone water pots were not made out of some kind of clay that was made by man that could carry some kind of germs or, or, or some impurities. These stone water pots were hewn out of solid stone and they were so, therefore, so res- resistant to any kind of, of impurities. That's the reason for those water pots. And if you had, if I had pictures today, I could show you Man, they were amazing. It took a lot of time and a lot of talent to, to chisel out stone water pots that would hold 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So we got how many here? Six, 20 or 30. Let's just, let's just take the middle, okay? Six 25-gallon water pots. Some of you mathematicians do that for me. How many? 150. 150 gallons. Okay. Now the Jews had them setting aside. Obviously they were over gathering, you know, dust and maybe a few cobwebs, you know. They were sitting over there probably being unused. I, I, I would suspect that was the case. So that leads me to believe that they may have been Near a synagogue, you know, a synagogue in those days, you had to have at least ten people, ten men. You had to have ten men to have a synagogue. That was like a small local church, you know, equivalent to what we think. 
you had to have ten Jewish men to have a synagogue. The temple was the main temple, but you had the little synagogues out in the communities. But you had to have ten men to do that, plus whatever else their families were. They might have been near a synagogue, and it could be that these people were just very, you know, God loved God. And Now, I'm not trying to be unkind, because I know these people love the Lord, but they had a misunderstanding about the law, and they had a misunderstanding about what it was all about to be godly. You know what? We have a huge misunderstanding today in 2023 in the United States of America, in the South, in the Bible Belt, we have a misunderstanding about what it's like to be godly. Sometimes we can't see the grapevine for the grapes. You'll have people that'll fight over this and fight over that. Many of them are Baptists. You can get three Baptists together and get at least five opinions. At least. We're never going to agree on anything. Or everything, I should say. But what did Jesus do? He said, get those... Well, they didn't just pick them up and carry them because they were pretty heavy. Six stone, hand-whittled out... (laughs) If you say whittled... Carved out water pots. And he told those servants, because he did what mama told him to do. Well, she didn't tell him to, but she suggested. And he loved his mother, and he was very respectful. And she said, you just do whatever he tells you to do. She went on and left it. Mama knew. She just left it. Jesus is like, well, yeah. All right. Fill them with water. So I'm sure they went to the well, and they filled those six stone water pots with water to the brim. And look what he said. Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. They did what he said. Then he said, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And guess what? They took it to him. They did what he said. They did what mama said. Do whatever he tells you to do. So the the head waiter is the master of the banquet. He is the guy that is ultimately responsible for coordinating this entire event. He is in charge of everything. And this guy knows his business. Jewish weddings were very important, very well planned, and very, very important to the families. Man, this is not a time to be messing up, okay? There's a whole lot more to it, and I'll tell you later. But right now, just take my word for it, this was not a time for goof-ups. Take, draw some out, after they fill, it took them a few minutes to do that, I bet you. 150 gallons, give or take. Take some to the head waiter. And the head waiter, what happened here? Look what he said. And the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew. They didn't say anything. They're standing there going, oh, man. Oh, man. Is he going to taste water? What's he going? They had no idea. They were just doing what they were told. And the head waiter called the bridegroom. 
Okay. Now this is the hubby, <laughs> the bridegroom. Now we'll find out in John chapter 14 that this, in our culture, the wedding is all about the bride. Okay, it's the bride's day, and I got no problem with that. I'm just, I'm just telling you the difference in the two. But in those days, it wasn't all about the bride. It was a the bridegroom was the man, okay, and he was in charge of stuff. Now the bride, there was some very special things there, and it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. But what I'm saying to you, that he called the bridegroom. So they gave some to the head waiter, like Jesus told him to do. The head waiter, he didn't know. He calls the bridegroom. And he said to him, man, look what he said. Every man serves the good wine first, and then when men have drunk freely, then that which is poorer, but you've kept the good wine until now. Let me paraphrase that with you for just a moment. Everybody... In all of wedding history, <laughs> always serves the expensive wine first. And then when people are a little bit on the tipsy side, then they serve, if they run out, they serve the cheap stuff. But you have saved the best for last. You say, whoa, man, we're getting in some Baptist high weeds right here, buddy. We're in, I'm, in, I'm already, man, I'm in so much deep kimchi, it don't matter because, you know, it don't matter to me anymore. Because I died to public opinion a long time ago, and I don't care what people think about me. Because here's the problem in today's society, in Baptist circles, and I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to be talking about, because here in a couple of weeks or so, the Southern Baptist Convention is going to be meeting in New Orleans, and there's going to be some scrapping going on. And I'll tell you something right now, God is sick and tired of the scrapping. You say, already, I'm like, well, we know which side you on. You know, if you listen to this, they you know which side you No, you don't. You don't have any idea which side I'm on. You don't have any idea where I stand on some of these issues. And you know what? It ain't none of your business. And second of all, it doesn't matter. Because too much of the time, we are so busy looking at the grapes, we can't see the grapevine. We can't get through the forest because we're so busy running into trees. We strain at gnats and swallow camels. We're so hell-bent on being heavenly-minded, we're of no earthly good. My daddy used to say that all the time. We're so spiritual, sometimes, we forget to be practical. We're so busy trying to be so goodly and godly that sometimes we just miss being a Christian. In other words, we're scaring off the fish. Remember that? That little thread's been running through this since February, the last Sunday of February. We're too busy being Christians sometimes. We scare off the fish. Trying to be godly. We, oh, we got good intentions. We really do. We mean well. We really do. And I'm not mad at anybody. I may sound like it. I'm just simply saying, we sometimes trying to be so godly. You know, that's all that the... 
What else were the Pharisees trying to be? They were trying to be good Jews. But Jesus was trying to teach them that what you're doing is you're missing the whole idea here. Now, what's the big idea here? I guarantee you, I know because I've been around a little while, I've heard preachers say, well, that wasn't real wine. That was Well, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, let me tell you something right now. Welch's was not in business in the, in the first century. They weren't. And neither was Mogan David. That might be a, a kind of a Jewish name, but neither one of them were in business. You say, well, you advocate. I ain't advocating anything. I'm advocating listening to God and listening to what he's trying to say. You said, do you believe in You know, I'm not even going to tell you what I believe because it doesn't matter. The point is, it doesn't make any difference whether it was real wine or, or you would say, of course it was real wine. Jesus made it. It was the best it's ever been. It was the best it's ever been. There was nobody on the face of this earth that could sit there with the kegs and let it anciently age for a hundred years that could match anything close to what Jesus made. Well, first of all, the Baptist preacher go, oh, wait a minute, you're saying that he advocates out there. Jesus wasn't advocating anything. Jesus was being Jesus. He was doing what he does. We're the one that makes too much of things. Some not enough of others. Same thing as what I'm saying. It doesn't matter because it's not about that. Wine is a picture of joy. There's joy in the office and the institution of marriage. And Jesus was giving his blessing on marriage. Remember here... A week or so ago, we talked about when God did some surgery on Adam, took out a rib and created the most beautiful thing that had ever been, and Adam never seen anything like that, and how he pulled her out behind the tree and said, look what I made, and Adam was like, uh, you know, he was mesmerized, blown away, and he, he said, you know, this, this is my wife. God instituted Marriage, right there. Notice that. That's God instituted marriage. Now, man, over the centuries that we've been here, has tried his best to mess that up. But the first miracle that Jesus did was to come and put his blessing on real, the kind of marriage that he had instituted. Notice what I said that he had instituted. I don't need to even go the other way with all that stuff. I don't need to do the negatives because you already know what they are. God blessed his marriage. And Jesus said that that was supposed to be joy. Now I'll tell you right now, I can't tell you, me and Miss Debbie, have had the most fun in the last few days. You know, loading and being tired and 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 and. and hurting and all this kind of stuff and and she has this little thing about when she gets hungry she kind of if it goes too far she gets hangry (laughs) well this old bulldog here learns when to shut his mouth and just find her some food but I'll tell you right now 
I've never had more joy in my life than I have with my wife. Because she brings me joy. And the wine of joy here, this was the whole picture. They didn't think anything about whether it was Mogan David or Welch's. They didn't care because they just simply, wine was a part of their culture and a part of their daily life. Even Paul told, and I know, I know everybody's going to say, oh yeah, we know which side you're on, we know which side you're on. Yeah. See, there, that tells me nobody's listening. The problem that happens here with people is we don't listen to each other. And the problem is going to be going on in a couple of weeks in, in New Orleans is going to be a bunch of people talking and nobody listening to each other. That's what's going to be happening. You say, you believe women ought to be preachers? They asked me one time. You believe women ought to be preachers? What do you think about women preachers? I said, maybe he couldn't find a man. How about some men step up? What Do I think that was God's... I'm, I've been a complimentarian. You know, that I've been... I, God... I mean, I know everybody that knows me knows where I stand on things. But I'll tell you right now, my wife and all these women in this room right here can do a whole lot of things that I can't do. I'm not real sure it's, we make a bigger deal sometimes out of things than we should. And again, those are people, let me know where you stand. You have no idea where I stand. I know a good young pastor. Boy, I done went over time, man. How did I do that? <laughs> I know a young pastor in this state whom I love dearly that did some great things, great things for God. Yet he is so hell-bent on being heavily minded with his theological position that sometimes he's just, you know. Do you think that Jesus said, go you there for him, everybody? And compel them, you know, to come in? Do you think that's what it's supposed to be? I don't think so. I don't think that's what it is. I don't think we're supposed to be fighting everybody. I've heard people say the Baptists, you know, Southern Baptists are the people, kind of like the Republicans, they say, we're the people of no, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I think we get a reputation sometimes because we're so ornery, you know. Why can't we just love Jesus enough to just let that shine in our life? Yes. Why can't we just love God? And let people see us loving God. And let all these other little things go. And I'm going to say, I'm, going to, I'm going over, but I'm going to say a couple of things here. In essential things, I didn't originate this, but I, I'm, I've made it my own in a couple of different ways. In, a very, in very essential things, and if anybody's still listening via the internet, that catch this. There are some essential things that we need to be in agreement upon. The essential things are Christ Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's no other way. That, that, there's, no, there's no getting around that. You, you don't have to fight over that. That's just a fact. The blood of Jesus is what cleanses us from all sins. There's not enough you can do or not do or get baptized enough. You can get baptized in the creek till the tadpoles know your middle name. And it's not going to change you on the inside. So what I'm saying to you is this. Essential things... We need to all be, we need to be in agreement on that. 
But there are some non-essential things, and there's no way that Southern Baptists are ever going to all agree on non-essential things. Now, I said I wasn't going to say. I, I, believe, I believe God intended men to be pastors. That doesn't, that doesn't say anything bad about women, because I'm going to tell you something. Y'all can do things we can't do. Y'all can do things we can't do, especially, you know, the senior pastor. I, I, I'm just saying we get so tied up over all these little things. Then you've got some groups of people that are always a victim. I don't care what color you are. You're always a victim. Your whole life is about being a victim. Quit being a victim and be a victor in Jesus Christ. Stop being victims. Stand up and understand that God made you and you can be anything He wants you to be and it doesn't matter what people think and how they look at you. Look at yourself in Jesus and I promise you people start looking at you differently. Amen. Now enough of that and I'm going to leave that alone. But what I'm saying is this. There are non-essential issues that we need to learn how to agree to disagree on. You may not ever... I'm going to give you one of them. I mean, if you're saved, you're saved, right? I knew some people, I grew up with people that thought they could lose their salvation. And they, as far as I knew, they were as saved as they could be. But just because they thought that, here's my mindset, just because you, you think you can lose it don't mean that you can. <laughs> but maybe you thinking you can lose it makes you live a little bit closer to Jesus. I mean, I mean that's just the way I looked at it. But did I argue with them? No. Sometimes we'd get in discussions, but they got the idea that because I thought I was saved and couldn't lose it, that I could live any way I wanted to, and that's not right either. So sometimes we just need to agree to disagree on some things, don't we? Some people think that you can't come get saved unless God, you know, made the choice for you. They call that determinism. Some people call it ultra-Calvinism, you know, things like that. I think most Calvinists nowadays... If John Calvin could come back and be alive, he'd go, what? Because I think a lot of the Calvinists today would probably surprise John Calvin. He'd probably be going, what are y'all talking about? What? What? That's not what I intended. We make more. And it's it's been shown over and over that the people who come up with ideas, the people who are down the road from them, sometimes make a bigger deal out of the, you know, the guy who actually came up with the idea to begin with. One of those would be Charles Darwin. I bet you Charles Darwin, if you come back today and you start talking about all this evolutionary stuff, that he'd probably go, what? That wasn't exactly what I meant. I'm not saying he was godly. I'm just simply saying... People after the fact make more of things. What I'm saying is simply this. Hate me if you want to. (laughs) Hope you love me. But the thing is, we need to start just getting about our mission. Our mission. And I said this morning, and we used to use this in, in cowboy church ministry when we were talking about that. We're supposed to catch them, let God clean them. That's my kind of fishing. Now, you might like scraping scales. I don't particularly like I mean, it's okay. I don't mean a big deal. I've done many of it. I mean, I've dressed deer in the field and, you know, reach in there and do what you got. I mean, this doesn't bother me whatsoever. I'm a country boy. I can survive. But what I'm saying to you is this. 
It's a whole lot more fun to catch them than it is to clean them. Catch them, eat them. That's better, isn't it? You can catch them, clean them, and eat them, or you can just catch them and eat them. I like that one better. Let God do the cleaning. Sometimes we forget who's the one that does the cleaning. And I think what we need to do is just kind of let live and let live a little bit, don't you think? Now, essential things, absolutely. I'm not compromising on anything that's essential to salvation. But there's a lot of things out here that we all know are not absolutely telltale about whether we're saved or not. And I think we need to let people have a little bit of room to differ from us. Because I think people who get mad when somebody disagrees with them might have a little bit of, in, this psychologist coming at me, might have a little bit of, yeah, I wonder if they're really, you know, sure about that. We get a little nervous. Okay. <laughs> Can we all just love Jesus? <laughs> Let's stand. <laughs> oh. All right. I want you to pray for Bible school. We can reach these babies and hopefully ultimately their families. There's some future leaders here. And I wonder if this morning maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. This is your chance. We're going to sing one verse. and hanging with me a few minutes later I pray you'll come back tonight we're going to get into uh, uh, I sort of say Psalms Proverbs 2 we're just going to kind of get that going it won't be heavy stuff but I believe it'll be important uh, searching for silver Okay. we're excited to be here Brother George would you dismiss us please sir <laughs>